Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. And welcome to another exciting episode of the 42 cast. Since you're here for the second episode, I assume that you either liked the first one or you are a new listener. And if you're a new listener, then welcome. I do recommend that you go back and listen to our first episode because that one was a lot of fun. We've received some really good feedback about it. Uh, so uh, give that a listen and then come right back here. All right. Are you back? Great. Um, so this episode, uh, I do need to explain a little bit about it. Uh, we had actually planned on going live the first week of January and due to various circumstances, we got pushed back a little bit. So this episode, we had actually intended to come out the second week of uh, January so that we could cover Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just before it came back from its winter break. Uh, that obviously did not happen, so the episode is a tiny bit dated. Uh, either way, though, uh, Eric Ryan and I had a lot of fun, so I think that the episode is well worth a listen. I also uh, wanted to get Jennifer Hartshorn of Earth Station MCU on this one, but because she was really badly sick, I didn't get a chance to do it at the time. I did record an episode with her in the middle of January, where we talked not only about the first half of Season 4 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but we also talked a little bit about uh, the episode uh, when it came back. So uh, look forward to that episode coming out in just a few days. It's very short, so um, I'm releasing it as a separate release, though, because if I put it on this one, uh, the episode would just be too long. As it was, we were running long on this one anyway. So uh, that's what's going on here. Uh, but We've got some great stuff planned for the future. Um, a lot of episodes uh, we're either going to record or uh, episodes that we've already recorded. So uh, I know that there's an exciting ride coming up. So look forward to having you guys stick with us and uh, definitely let us know how we're doing. I'll say a little bit more about that at the end of the episode. But for now, I'm going to leave you with uh, the podcast in progress. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 42 Cast, the ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. Uh, once again, I am your host, Nathan, and this is the second episode of the 42 Cast, even though it was not recorded as the <laughs> second episode. This is actually probably something like the 10th 
episode that we've recorded, but uh, because of some delays that we hit along the way, um, we kind of decided to uh, mix up the order uh, a little bit because uh, some topics were more timely than others, and so we decided to move those forward and push some of the other ones that we did that are a little more general back. Uh, and so uh, what I'd like to do, since this is the second episode, is give out a couple of uh, shout-outs. Um, because uh, when we made the first episode, uh, not everything for the podcast was completed. So um, first person that I'd like to give a shout-out to is my friend Rachel Alexander. Uh, Rachel is the one who designed our logo and the web banner. And uh, so if you go down to the website, which is 42cast.com, and you see that uh, website and banner, that's Rachel's work. And so, Rachel, thank you so much for uh, making that for us. Uh, I really love it, and I hope all of you love it as well. Um, the other person that I would like to give a shout-out to is um, <clears throat> Brandon Ellis. Uh, Brandon is the one who composed our theme music and performed it. Um, I'm really happy uh, with how that, all that turned out. Um, and uh, if you want to check out some more of Brandon's work, uh, you can see that at www.cityfires.com. Um, he does commission, so if you're looking for music uh, for yourself and want to give Brandon a try, I would recommend him because it was a great process working with him, and uh, I really liked uh, what he came up with for the show. Um, but uh, with all of that said... Uh, it's time now to introduce our cast for today. And uh, first up is uh, someone that you've already heard on that first episode. Uh, this is the man who absolutely hates Pluto with a passion. <laughs> that is my nemesis, Mr. Ryan Guthrie. Hey, if Pluto did to you what it did to me, you would understand. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> so how are you doing, Ryan? Ah, hanging in there. Just got back from uh, the movies, as a matter of fact rushed from the theater to do your podcast okay what'd you say uh hidden figures highly recommend it oh okay yeah no that's definitely one that i want to say yeah. um yeah uh yeah because i was wondering i mean with this uh now that we're into the january season yeah, yeah. There, there isn't a whole lot going on movie wise so i was i figured it was uh, probably underworld oh well you know that's on the list but it's kind of low priority i mean it could happen, but I, I don't know. I can barely remember the other ones. Right. <laughs> you know? I know right. they happened. The first... I know I saw them. You know? Yeah, but... the first one is the only one I consider in any way memorable. The rest yeah. of them are just kind of like, yeah, slogs. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I get it. I get it. It's good to have you back, Ryan. Good to be back. All right. And the next person on is uh, someone that I met through Facebook, but he is a guy that knows a ton of stuff about comics. He has his own webcomic, and uh, he is a uh, expert on, um, oh, what was, what was the quote here? The expert on all things cosplay, horror, and comic books. And that is Mr. Eric Ratcliffe. How are you doing, Eric? I think I wrote... Expert in, or not expert, like master of useless knowledge or something like that. <laughs> yes, knower of the most obscure pop culture knowledge. <laughs> I, I, I love that, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's true, you should hear me sometimes. <laughs> I'm doing alright, I just got out of work, so uh, ready, to, ready to pod and then uh, I'll probably veg out for the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it is good to have you on. Uh, I, I am hoping that I can really uh, diversify this podcast and have a lot of people on. So definitely uh, like having new people. So, uh, so actually, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say I, I can I can give a perfect example of my uh, my useless knowledge since we're talking about Shield tonight. Um, does everybody know uh, the the director's the current director's other uh, other day job, acting wise? He's the uh, current voice of Batman and all the uh, all the uh, current directed DVD stuff. Oh. Traitor. Traitor. <laughs> <laughs> so he's both the director of Shield and Batman. I can see that. He's kind of he's a, he's a great Batman too. I actually get like he's not as good a, as Conroy, but uh he's actually brings a lot to the role that I wouldn't expect. Although if you oh. want to go obscure, as soon as you see as soon as you say that my mind goes back to the late 90s when they had Amalgam Comics. And they Duck actually... Claw. Well, no, no, I'm going the other way, which was where they oh. uh, amalgamated Fury with uh, Bruce Wayne and had yep. uh, Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Wayne agent, agent of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of Shield. Yeah. Yep. So... <laughs> hey, Dark Claw was my jam back then, man. Yeah. <laughs> you kidding me? When I had Raw Mar- Mars on uh, Why I Love Comics, that was like... That was something that I had to get into with him. I'm like, you know, I love your current work, Ron, but Dark Claw. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was so awful and so great at the same time because they really put so much love into those amalgam books. They did, even yeah. though they were one offs. <laughs> And they created these whole, like, universes with just a few words of, oh, you know, mentioning this character that was a mashup of two Marvel DC characters and stuff. And it was just like, I want to read more of this. And, uh, you know, we never really got a whole... I mean, they did a second run, uh, a few more, you know, different comics. Like, they went more obscure with stuff like Lobo the Duck. Doctor uh, uh, <laughs> Strange Fate being neither Doctor mm-hmm. Fate nor Doctor Strange, but Professor Xavier trying to fix both universes. Mm-hmm. So great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of the last time that fans of DC and Marvel could stand to get along and you know, come up with one <laughs> project together. <laughs> oh, we get along fine. It's the companies <laughs> that are the best, <laughs> and the the creators still get along to the stage. It's the companies. Yeah. We'll never, uh, we'll never work together again for very obvious reasons at this point. Oh, hello, Warner Brothers and Disney. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> what was the last time the two companies worked peacefully together? Was that Roger Rabbit at this point? Because I can't think of anything after Roger Rabbit. Maybe Animaniacs? I feel like there might have been a Disney nod or two in Animaniacs. Yeah, but I don't know if those were officially okayed by Disney, they might have just thrown in some references that they figured were too quick for Disney to get too worked up, you know, be like fair use kind of stuff. The whole time we're recording this, that's going to be in the back of my head. It's going to be bugging me. The last time they worked together. (laughs) (laughs) Going to get a Facebook message at like (laughs) 3am. Or I can shout it out in the middle of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but no, I can totally hear uh, his voice as Batman. So that works, I think. Yeah, he started. I want to say it was the first move. It was this. It was the movie right before they introduced Damien. That's like around the time that he started doing it. Okay. So it's about five or six years ago at this point. I think is how long he's been Batman. Well, he's got a long genre history. I mean, he's done um, Jason O'Mara. He's done uh, Life on Mars. He was in Terra Nova. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I was, I was so excited when he got this gig. Wasn't he Captain America too? 
in uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes? Oh, the voice work? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't follow his voice work. I know there was a guy that did both. Actually, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was Captain America, too. I'd have to go look it up real fast, but... Well, that would be a fun little Easter egg for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. he was Captain America. <laughs> so no wonder when Rogers went AWOL, that's who they picked. But, uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, that would be a great inside joke if they ever pulled it. Oh, you know what it is? Okay, he wasn't what? his voice actor. It's because uh, Jeffrey Mace was um, Patriot. Oh, uh, okay. okay, yeah. Okay, that's what it is. That's what was throwing me off. The technically third Captain America of Marvel history. <laughs> Before we move on too deeply into talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., though, now is time to get into five questions. And for those joining us, and for Eric, what five questions is, is it's a way for us to sort of ease into uh, talking about our topic by just answering some random geeky questions where there's really only two ways of answering the question, so people have to pick a side. And, uh, you know, so far we've found that it, it kind of works to, uh, you know, kind of... Um, loosen everybody up and you know it's a fun way of letting the audience know a little something about us um, so out of the hundreds of questions that I've got here I have a random number generator spit five of them out uh, for us to go over um, so uh, I'm going to start off here and so how we're going to go is Eric since you're new to the podcast you'll answer first and then Ryan you'll go second and you third Yes, and I'll go through. <laughs> I'll let you know if you're right or not. <laughs> so, what? which term do you use? Redhead or ginger? Redhead. Go with ginger. Yeah, I threw that question in there just because this is one of those things that it's like, I don't know, because to me it sounds like people are trying to sound British when they say ginger, and so it just seems like yeah. a might like, pretentious uh, when people, when Americans say it. So, uh, that's, that's why I had this question in here. Alright. It can be both. It can be both. We can be pretentious and just use it. <laughs> Alright, next question. Who is the better captain, Kirk or Picard? Uh I'll go Picard because I grew up on next generation. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Now have you have you seen the original Star Trek? Yeah. Okay. And I'd still go Picard. <laughs> okay, no, I just wanted to, I mean, because, you know, I mean, you say you grew up in it, but I didn't I didn't know if that meant you just hadn't seen it, or if you, you know, had seen it and you went the car. Okay, it's that's... weird, because one of my favorite Star Trek movies is the one that, you know, they team up with, uh, is Generations, right? Generations, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with Malcolm McDowell as the bad guy, but uh, mm-hmm. even Picard even outshines Kirk in that one, too. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Come at me, bro. (laughs) (laughs) He's just, there's just something about Patrick Stewart as an actor that I feel like, and, you know, like Picard as a captain, the the way his writing is, the way he acts. I mean, he's, he's not like an impulsive guy, but at the same time, if you, if you piss off Jean-Luc Picard, sorry, take off Jean-Luc Picard, he's going to destroy you. (laughs) As opposed to Kirk will just punch you in the face, but Picard will flat out burn you, burn you where you stand, <laughs> and it could just be the uh, British accent. But <laughs> I, I'm not sure Kirk would punch you in the face. He would do that like running, like jump kick <laughs> thing where he throws both oh, legs yeah. up in the air. That's what he would do to you. <laughs> after he tears his shirt, you know. <laughs> right after he tears his shirt. 
so Ryan, where, where do you stand on this one? Uh, uh, you know, uh, this one's tough. It shouldn't be. This is like the question every nerd has had to face at some point in the past 30 years. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, I could have I could have been a jerk and said Janeway to be smart Alex, but I would never do that. <laughs> well, I mean, we're throwing in all the captains at Cisco, but just oh, well, <laughs> just these two. You know, I'm going to say, if we're talking like original series movies, I would take that Kirk any day. But if we're just talking TV series uh, to TV series, um, I am still going to go Kirk. I think he's just more inspiring as a character. I like Picard. He's a, he's the, like a professor, uh, but I, I don't know that I would die for him. I would die for James T. Kirk. I mean, he is the professor. Anyways... <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> <sighs> Mutants. Yeah. Um. I I actually prefer Kirk myself. Um. And I I will give you that. Uh. Patrick Stewart is the better actor. Um. I I think that that's probably true. But um. The character of Kirk I prefer. Where, um. You know. There's the joke that you know. You know the the on the Enterprise D. You know, uh, Data might say like, "Captain, there's an asteroid heading towards us," and Picard would be like, "Can we surrender to it?" You know, it always seems like Picard is, uh, you know, a little too quick to just sort of like uh, try diplomatic approaches to things that should not uh, necessarily have diplomatic approaches. I prefer Kirk stronger, you know, uh, sense of uh, I don't know uh, right and wrong. Um, and uh, I just, uh, yeah, like Ryan said, he's the more inspiring character in my mind. Even though I do like Next Generation and I like Picard, certainly the the series was more polished than the original uh, Trek. But um, I, 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 th- I like that Kirk now, not the Chris Pine Kirk, yeah, because that is a very different character, and he is much more impulsive and less thoughtful than the Kirk that um, Shatner played. You know what's another perspective to look at that? <laughs> How's that? Is um, bring Q into the equation. If Kirk dealt with Q, <laughs> that Enterprise would be gone. <laughs> uh, Kirk I don't dealt. Now he dealt with his fair share of omnipotent beings and walked away every time. I mean, he met God for Pete's sake, you know, yeah, but, and asked him what he needed with the freaking star. But come on, P- we want to forget that one, Ryan. <laughs> Picard pissed off. Uh, uh take off. Um. Picard ticked off Q one time, and then suddenly the, the uh, Federation now has to deal with the Borg. You, yeah. The second Kirk says anything wrong, I'm pretty sure that that something's gonna be exploded for good. Uh, <laughs> Kirk would reintroduce sexuality to the Borg, and you know there would be nothing but peace in the universe. Touche, touche. Yeah, they can't assimilate Kirk without, like, you know, taking on all his attributes. It's just yeah. that strong. <laughs> he'd be he'd be a whole new different Locutus. Let's put it that way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right. Third question: What's the better video game franchise, Mario or Sonic? Mario. Is that yeah. is that even an honest question? Come on. Well, it's an honest question for someone who grew up in the 80s during the epic Nintendo Sega battles, I guess. There's there's maybe three good Sonic games. And how many good Mario games? And not even just the platformers. You have you have Smash Brothers, you have 
the Mario Kart game. Uh, yeah, you, oh, you can't Mario count Party. Smash Brothers as a Mario game. That's yes, every can. Nintendo character. It's got brothers no. in the name. <laughs> <laughs> That's every Nintendo character. So it's as much a yeah, Mario game as it is a Link game or a Metroid game. One of those games. He's in freaking Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, but again, Donkey Kong is not a Mario game, even what, though he one does. One of the three good, one of the three good Sonic games, by the way, is Adventures on the Dreamcast. I will fight anybody that says differently. That's one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel Nathan, you're trying to set up a, a Pepsi Coke choice here, but it's really more right. of a of a Coke RC. <laughs> well, I'm probably dating myself because I, I haven't played video games since like the late 90s. So, you know, that was a more serious question then. Uh, but, you know, of course, with Sega only being a software development company now and not having the hardware anymore, I think that it's I mean, become more of you a know, lopsided yeah, I'm, thing. I'll grant you that. If like you limited it, if you said at, you know, prior to you know 1998 or whatever, you know, which was the better one, I might have to think harder about it. But just over the intervening decades, you know, Nintendo's blown Sonic or Mario's blown Sonic out of the water. Oh. I mean, yeah, the the better question there would probably be about the you know about the Dreamcast, which was definitely ahead of its time and died way too early. But still, <laughs> I actually have a Dreamcast downstairs. <laughs> Love the Dreamcast. Like I said, Sonic Adventure is so good. You little uh, chose in the uh, memory card, so awesome. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it's too bad they released it as early as they did because it died because people were saving their money to see what the other you know companies produced. So true. All right. Okay. So yeah, Ryan, your 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 choice is also Mario. I think so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was always the Nintendo proponent in my circle of friends who were usually more Sega oriented. So. <laughs> so yeah, it's Mario for me as well. All right, fourth question. <laughs> oh, <God>. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that was an evil laugh. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know what mood I was in when I asked this one. All right, better time that you saw this story: Avatar or Fern Gully? Fern Gully. Fern Gully. I will fight. I will fight. Two, two, two words. Robin Williams. Game yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll, yeah, Ryan. You know, Avatar has the better special effects. I'll give it that, but Batty man, but Batty, come on. <laughs> yeah. But Fern Gully told the story first. Well, told the story prior to Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, who, who was it? I know it was a, wasn't it a rapper who played the bad guy in Fern Gully? It's been a while since I've seen it. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, when I saw Avatar, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah, about a hundred Yeah, times. isn't it, isn't it uh, Kevin Costner? Uh, Dances with Wolf? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's another version of it, yeah. I right, but for, for me, the stronger, oh. like, similarity. Oh, oh, wow. Actually, I have... Okay, you know who was the bad, the bad guy in Fern Gully? You got yeah, Robin Williams, and then you have Tim Curry. Game over. I'm oh, sorry for... yeah, 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 exactly, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Avatar, but game freaking over. You might have Sigourney Weaver <laughs> and, right. uh, and, um... Uh, yeah, wow, Gamora. Uh, Zoe Saldana, but no, I was you. thinking... Yeah. What's his name? Um, uh, the guy who wants to be Cable. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, that's gonna bug me. 
I'm not going to go look at it. I saw his team earlier, too. The, the fascination of a podcast ago. that's all about people looking stuff up on the internet. <laughs> wow. But, yep, Fern Gully, Tim, Gully, Tim Curry, Robin Williams. I don't need to hear any other arguments. Yeah, to me, I know everybody brings up Dances with Wolves, and I, and I, uh, you know, I see the parallels there as well, but to me, Fern Gully is much stronger connection to Avatar because of the... You know, the whole jungle nature of it is very similar oh, not, and, you know... Not even they, the jungle nature of it. They plot out, you know, make a human into the size mm-hmm. of the other species that he suddenly has to relate to. So, mm-hmm. you got that edge, too. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, that's, that, that was, that was going to be my second point. But yeah, I mean, to me, it was almost... It was like James Cameron saw Ferngully and was like, oh, you know, I can do a big-budget version of this and with real actors, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, just like the... Uh, just like Titanic before, yes, it does innovate the game when it comes to filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But and this is gonna get me grief, but just like Titanic, it is overrated as all hell. Yeah, I think the Titanic is overrated myself, although not to the degree. I at least feel that Titanic is a good movie. I don't think Avatar is even a good movie because the characters lack conviction. The plotting is horrible, and other than the idea, which is an idea that they've stolen from other things, there's nothing good about them. I, I, I like you know the idea of what they're trying to tell is nice. You know, but that's a plot, a basic plot that we have seen many yeah. times before, and it's been done better uh, in other things. My my thing about this is, uh, and I don't know if these are fighting words for anyone, but I've always kind of felt that James Cameron was the slightly better George Lucas, in that he pushes the technology and can do a really great story that someone else wrote or created. Yeah. Um, and everything from you know Terminator Two to Aliens to everything he's touched. He can make it better technologically and visually and improve upon it in a lot of ways, but someone else had to break that ground first. Mm-hmm. Even Titanic, yeah, he didn't exactly write that one. Well, you know, kind of, I'm pretty sure I went into that knowing what was going to happen to the boat. <laughs> right. No, he's, he's very much the more technical aspect of a filmmaker, where he'll help innovate things for, you know, like the next decade of filmmaking yeah. with the things that he creating as opposed to his movies are more just very for the most part obviously you know listing something like aliens is definitely like huge and will always be up be up there for me personally but mm-hmm. like tight titanic avatar they're very i want to i don't want to average movies yeah i mean they're he said i would call him a genius but it's definitely the on the technical end of it not the the creation, not the story end of it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, as much like I mean, I think George Lucas is a great parallel to draw there because once he had complete control over everything, like he did with the prequels, <laughs> I think it's the same thing. I mean, you get a lot of storylines where basic plot problems, you know, characters played by great actors, but the characters lack conviction. It seems like they weren't given the direction that they needed or something, you know, and they come off as incredibly flat. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's very similar to what I found with Avatar, where it had the potential to be a fantastic movie, but it, I think it would have required someone, you know, uh, you know, Cameron stepping back a little bit and just handing the technical side while somebody else was handling, you know, the, the direction of the, the actual actors themselves and, you know, uh, helming the story. 
Um, but uh, that's that's my two cents. It's easy to judge these things from the background. I just don't know. I just know it didn't work for me. But uh, okay, so we're on to the last question here, and this one will be interesting for me to see. You know how people how people go on this one. All right, who is the better Flash, Barry Allen or Wally West? Oh wow. Okay. Well, here's here's my thing, and I'm going to kind of contradict myself in the same <laughs> sentence. So, comic wise. I grew up on Wally. Mm-hmm. Wally is my Flash, both comic and obviously the Justice League cartoon. Mm-hmm. Wally was my Flash. That being said, when you look at TV Barry, TV Barry is Wally West and Peter Parker mixed into one character. Right. So I guess I would slant towards Wally. Even though, like I said, TV Barry, who I love, except for, you know, when he <laughs> starts the season slash ends last season doing dummy um <laughs> dang it barry uh i would definitely i would still give it to wally because i grew up on wally and you know you know certain friends of ours had that sniper rifle ready uh Nate. <laughs> right no yes of course yes no 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 i know exactly and uh yeah i mean i'm thinking more comic related because uh, you're right i mean but the tv show version of barry allen is not the same guy as the comic book version no. of barry allen at all and so. even even looking at what Jeff Johns did when he brought Barry when he brought Barry back. Comic Barry is still very boring cookie cutter boring character. As opposed to the T V version who's actually like complex and easily likable and you do you know, you just wanna hang out with that guy. But comic book Barry, eh. Yeah, it's all fun and games until he erases you from the time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> then your opinion doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> Go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> uh, you know, I, to echo a lot of this, um, I'm not, I can't quite remember whether it was Peter David's Aquaman or Mark Wade's uh, Flash, which was my first DC comic. But um, either way, Wally was my, my first Flash as well. Uh, I was aware of Barry and that, you know, you can't read the Flash without his influence there. But um, I, I'm going to go Wally. Uh, like, like we've hinted at, no one's ever made a "damn it, Wally" meme. So you know, it's just—it's kind of a no-brainer. Barry, Barry almost does more harm than good in every incarnation that he's been in in the past ten years. Oh, that's a good point. Um, I, I for me, it's also Wally. Um, it, 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 and and to, it's not quite fair because he is definitely the one that I have read. Uh, far more issues of The Flash because a friend of mine made sure that I read them. (laughs) And so Barry, I have read a few issues with Barry and he does seem very boring to me and I haven't read a whole lot. I know Barry far more from the TV show who I know is not, uh, you know, the same as the comic book Barry. Um, They did try to lighten him up a little bit and make him a little more Wally-like, you know, which is fully justifiable because he's also much younger uh, than Barry ever was in the comics. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy Wally. And, of course, the Justice League cartoon formed a huge basis of that as well. Uh, and Wally is just fantastic. I mean, he, he's probably the best character in that series. Um, yep. Just for the amount of fun that he brings to everything. And I say that fully being a tremendous Kevin Conroy Batman fan. Well, in, until they brought in Booster. <laughs> Yeah, well, sure, but Booster's in, like, an episode, really. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he's only really center stage for one of those, so, you know, it's... 
but yes, no, no, I, Booster and Green Arrow. Once they brought those guys in, then Wally started disappearing a little bit. And you were well, okay yeah, I mean, it. once they went to Unlimited, <laughs> all the main cast started taking a little bit more of a background because they had expanded the Justice League so much. But yeah, no, I, I get your point. Um, but uh, still, though, I mean, I, I love Wally um, from both the comics and the animated series. So that's why I'll, I'll always be a Wally fan. All right, so that is another five questions successfully completed. So, uh, yeah, now, uh, before we head on to the topic, though, we're going to take a quick break for a promo from another fine podcast. Hello, Marvel Universe! The Earth Station MCU podcast is your home for all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Join our debrief as we discuss Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, upcoming and past favorite Marvel movies, cosplay, comics history, toys, games, interviews, and all things MCU. Whether you're a hero or a villain, a new viewer, or have been reading comics since you were a kid, there's something for you on Earth Station MCU. And we're back. And now, if we, as we've alluded to before, uh, this episode is going to be about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., everything up to the mid-season finale. Uh, and this season actually was a little bit strange, because uh, in the past, uh, the first three seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they've always done ten episodes before going to their winter finale. But this season, it, they only did eight episodes. And does anyone else feel like this was a decision because Ghost Rider just cost them too much, so they wanted to end that storyline a little bit quicker? I do feel like Ghost Rider cost them too much, but I don't know if that was the decision to cut it off. I mean, that was probably just more scheduling. Winter falls when winter falls, you know? Um, Well, except they had a break in the middle of this first half of the season that they normally don't have. Um, so they could have they could have crammed in two more episodes very easily uh, scheduling wise. So that wasn't the issue. Well, no, but maybe it was, it was a was presidential a... election that kind of you know weren't there debates and so forth? Wasn't that part of it? Well, at least where I live, the pre- the debates just preempted it and they showed it at a different time slot. That didn't those weren't the weeks that they didn't show. Well, except for the actual presidential election day. Election day, yeah, they they took the show off. Because they didn't want, you know, that, to, you know, the because they knew everybody was going to be watching the election rather than the show. But at least for debates, they just rearranged the time slots. They didn't actually take the show off. I don't think it was a budgetary thing because, you know, like they keep mentioning that in such a small, like one sentence type of thing in all the uh, interviews that I've seen so much as they were more excited for the LMD, uh, you know, basically... What seems to be possibly an Ultron revisit <laughs> kind of kind of story, mm-hmm. you can tell they're going to be focusing heavy on that in the second half of the season, which I'm oh, yeah. really curious about. Though I kind of hope, and I know it's probably not going to happen. I kind of hope um, 
Uh, oh, wow. I can't think of the actor's name right now. I kind of hope his uh, legend schedule kind of gives us at least one Dum Dum Dugan tease. For, oh, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. From an LMD standpoint, I want I want Dum Dum at least once. <laughs> I-, I am saying it right now. They are going to get Brett Dalton back at least for an yep. episode as an LMD version of Ward. Oh, no, I was I was actually going to bring up Ward as we get into into things more cuz contra- I mean not really controversial. It's really not that controversial in my opinion. I do miss Ward and I really do think that we're missing something without him on the show. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is he was great about being playing that character all these different ways. Yeah. We saw yeah. him four different ways throughout all the seasons, which is yeah. crazy. Well, okay, that's that's the point. I miss Ward, I don't miss Hive. No, yes. God no. God yeah. no. Yeah. Screw Hive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean he went from Agent Bland to creepy sexual predator ward to yeah. uh the sort of ward with an axe to grind. Yeah. Morally to hive. gray morally gray doesn't right. really give a crap about anything ward. I don't think there's anything gray about it. He was dark. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. Yeah, out, out for himself, Ward. Basically, Taskmaster Ward is how I describe him. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, once Sky shot him, the whole thing of him, like, wanting Sky, which, you know, made him this weird sort of stalkery predator type, like, that went away, and he just became, like, I'm just out for me. And yeah. that was really interesting uh, when he went there. All series long, or at least up through you know the whole Inhuman storyline, they did a great job of teasing Ward just wants redemption. You know, mm-hmm. or, or he, they're going to bring him back when um, I think it was season two, uh, late season two, when he and Coulson made that deal, and Coulson offered him you know, Tahiti uh, to become uh, to, to to erase what he had done, and I thought that's the perfect reset. It actually, ma- I hate resets, but that one actually made sense, and I bought it. But Ward was just, you know, going along with it until he could find a chance to betray Coulson. And that's what made that character so great, is that he was never going to be redeemed or redeemable. And it was such an about-face for all of us who are used to these sort of Whedonisms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were expecting that, that, okay, it's going to be, you know, the bad guy becomes a good guy because they find the lever to, you know, turn him back, even if there's, like, a downside, like Tahiti, something where he has to give something up to be good, whatever. But, yeah, that was great. It's like, nope, he's just a bad guy, and that's the way it's going to be. So, so, so since we know for a fact they're never going to mention it again, who do you, who do you think... Uh, who do you think uh, Coulson knew? Do you think he knows Johnny or Danny? Uh, I'm going to say Johnny. Yeah, because I mean, that's most likely who the quote-unquote Good Samaritan was. Yeah, no, that's definitely who the Good Samaritan was. It looked, the bike that we see for like two seconds, it looked very much like Johnny's bike. Oh, okay, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I Danny's have... bike was more of a lowrider. Well, it also had that really broad metal piece on the front of it. Yep. It wasn't yeah. like like that Harley sort of look. It was very yeah. It was that that line bothered me so much though, and I think we all had the same reaction that uh, that Daisy has at that point. Like, what are you talking about? Give me more detail, please. Right. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? You know, another ghostwriter? Excuse you. I, yeah. I I'm inclined to believe Johnny just because he's the more mainstream. I guess one maybe because of the movies or you know the comics or whatnot. And now that I don't know, a lot of the season did kind of feel like a, a setup for a, a spinoff 
or, or Netflix series or something like that for Ghost Rider. Maybe not um, with the same casting, maybe not this Ghost Rider, but I could see Johnny Blaze uh, in, in a Netflix series after this. I, I still think we're going to get some sort of form of the Midnight Suns after Defenders. Could Stranger be. Things, yeah. I mean, well, another Netflix series there, yeah. But no, <laughs> I, the Demi Gorgon. Yeah. I mean, I, I think after the Defenders, Marvel may just very well we might see a whole new slate a new characters on in netflix i mean they've already promised the punisher one but i'm still got fingers crossed for ghost rider blade and um uh moon knight those are my i really want moon knight i just don't want them to bite off more than they can chew i enjoy the shows that they've already done They've already told us we're going to get a season two of Jessica Jones after Defenders, a season three of uh, Daredevil, and a season two of Luke Cage. We'll probably get a season two of Iron Fist. I would be fine with them letting these characters ride for a while. I don't want to replace them with another set of characters, um, you know, until they get a little tired, because I think there's plenty more stories to tell with all of them. I mean, if they can somehow work in having, you know, the Midnight Suns and Moon Knight and everybody else that people have been guessing, and daredevil and jessica jones luke cage iron fist and that's great but i don't want to i i just don't want them to be replaced yet because i think there's more that they can do but of course there's also hulu to look at there's other networks yeah, that yeah, Mar- they can, uh, marvel yeah, can run, partner run away with. there are other resources isn't it mm-hmm. yeah and then uh cloak and dagger is still coming on what freeform, freeform. Or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. i thought i read that cloak and dagger got a uh, got Did either it? postponed or canceled uh, I haven't read that yet. Everything that I've seen is that it's still pr- uh, going for next season uh, on Freeform. I kind of hope we get the loners in the Runaways, though. Some version of the loners. But I do think some characters, like Ghost Rider and Moon Knight and Blade, they're not ABC. They're not basic cable. Right. Uh, tele- yeah, you need Netflix or Hulu. You need something where they can go a little bit darker. Everything that they- S.H.I.E.L.D. wants to do at 10 p.m., but really still can't do. You need that... Um, that I get you know, non-censor uh, nature. My current working theory is, especially now that Inhumans is being developed, I think I think we're getting one more season of Shield, especially with what happened to uh, uh, with Agent Carter. I think we'll mm-hmm. get one more season of Shield, and then we start getting Inhumans, and we'll probably see Coulson either return to the movies or just be in like the occasional episode of one of like the one of the Netflix shows or, you know, random like nods in the movies, the kind of stuff. And, but I don't think we, I don't think we've ever seen the last of Coulson. Phil Clark. Yeah. Uh, Phil, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil Coulson. <laughs> yeah. Greg Clark. There we go. Thank you, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> I just mixed him in his character. That was interesting. But, um, I don't think we're going to see him go anywhere. Even when the show is over. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say, I see, because the fans love him so much, and I think that he's the kind of guy that would milk, you know, the fan opinion to, you know, make themselves known to Disney. I think we would probably see him showing up in other TV shows. Marvel, so far, has been so reluctant to acknowledge the TV shows and the movies. You know, even though the TV shows acknowledge the movies all the time, the movies never acknowledge the TV shows. And so I don't see him going back into the movies at all, especially now that managerially you know marvel tv and marvel movies are under two different people um so i don't see that transition you know going uh but i mean he would be the character to do it because he's the one that sort of links the movies and tv shows anyway since he started in the movies i Um, i do see it possibly happening and uh, i'll tell you why because 
when it, Disney is smart, they're and all they care about at the end of the day is that dollar figure. And if mm. someone above Fahey or um, Perlmutter can you know tells them having Coulson in a movie, even only for five seconds, is going to bring the money, then it's going to happen. And I'm I'm, we're, we're, I'm not talking like a um, a Coulson main char- main character led movie, but mm. I don't know. Maybe they decide to do. I could see them doing a Nick Fury movie or a black widow movie or something like that some some uh movie movie that centered on the shield side you know an espionage type movie and having him in there to a large capacity well to me they already missed the best opportunity to do that which would have been age of ultron because at the you know when fury yeah. shows up with the helicarrier at the end if they just did a quick cameo showing like sky may and colson on the bridge right? of the helicarrier with fury that would have been the place to like you know just give them their cameo and show that hey agents of shield is part of the same universe here and that wouldn't have taken cuz feige always gives the reason that they can't have the tv shows and movies merge as oh it takes so much time to set up these movies and it would be so difficult to like have the plot lines yeah, converge so that makes sense yeah but it's like you already had a movie where the setup was there and you would have only needed these actors for you know a day to shoot i see what you're saying but that wouldn't have that wouldn't have sold a single more ticket everyone who saw age of ultron was going to see age of ultron no matter what but mm-hmm. like a uh, black widow movie it, okay my dream black widow movie is actually a prequel just before iron man but you mm-hmm. know uh something al- along those lines where you see colson working with black working with natasha and uh, and almost a sidekick capacity where he's in there he's got a lot of screen time but he's still not the main character i i think that would possibly put butts in the seats that otherwise wouldn't come for just black widow let's say well see for me if colson isn't there post avengers to actually have i mean if he's the guy that heals the breach between iron man and captain america that would be perfect but that's the thing i want him there to be you know to to be the character that you know i mean he's the whole reason the avengers formed in the first place and so if he doesn't have like a point like if if his being alive isn't like a plot point of of what they're showing i don't if, you know, and it doesn't have to be a huge scene. It doesn't have to be like all the movie, but like one scene where he gets Cap and uh, Tony in a room together, and yeah. you know they bond over the fact that Coulson is still alive, and that makes them happy. You know, something like that. That would be great. You know, uh, I, I get that, and that would be great, and that would be a pivotal point for him. Um, and to that end, to echo what Eric was saying. I also agree that there's only one season left, and I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but I do think it's kind of – I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to wrap up as Phase 3 ends, and I think – I agree with you. That would be perfect to have Coulson be the catalyst that brings the team back together. Though I'm telling you, if talking about Inhumans for a second, if it doesn't have one of my cool – one of the coolest things they've done in recent years. So right now – and I know, Nate, you're not big on the current comics, right? No. Ryan, do you read the current stuff at all? Not, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> so Charles Soul is the guy working on Inhumans the last couple of years, and basically Medusa and Black Bolt are, you know, having another one of their tiffs, and they're separated. So she's part. She's in the Royal Kingdom, and then Black Bolt has his own uh, casino, an underground casino that he's. <laughs> basically what? running yeah no, it gets but obviously black bolt doesn't talk so he's just the figurehead and has has other inhumans that work under him but like it's this very cool like right you actually have to check it out it's actually like it's a really cool retro kind of 
kind of thing because when they did Secret War it was like this whole thing where he was like part of this huge resistance fighting against Doctor Doom during Secret War and all that kind of stuff but in the main book he just like I said it's just this casino that like if you're a super villain or a superhero or you know just like a powered person or even non-powered type characters they can all like meet in this equal safe space hollow ground where like they don't mess with each other and just can grab a drink or you know do their business without having to worry about getting shot or shooting somebody you know that kind of stuff it's like this this weird yet cool speakeasy run by black bolt that you wouldn't expect to uh see in a modern comic book it's a very cool and interesting idea as opposed to medusa doing her usual i'm running the inhumans black bolt's like nah i'm cool i'm gonna go chill in this uh chill in this casino i'll see you later <laughs> i don't know i i'm really old school i to me inhumans shouldn't be like mixing with you know anyone outside of you know the inhumans any i mean they're they're supposed to be like reticent and reclusive and it's like yeah sometimes people visit them but they never go out into the world and so it just seems kind of <laughs> but now they're all going back. <laughs> yeah. uh, it it yeah. sounds strange, like a Moss oh, no, Eisley. It's really or, cool, though. Uh, oh, it, no, it's definitely Moss Eisley. It's it, completely Moss Eisley. It kind of reminds me of um, the the first uh, Wolverine series where he went to Madripoor and pretended to be Patch for like, you mm. know, 50 episodes or 50 issues. And it's like, uh, this is strange. It's inter- entertaining, but I don't know that I need like a, an ongoing series about it. But you know what? It's. I, I'll take your word for it. It sounds it sounds crazy enough that it could work, you know. Right. But I'll let Nate pull it in because I know we're about to talk more about the actual season since we're kind of jumping all over the place. Uh, right. Yes. No. Yes. I'm trying to. Yes. I'm trying to get us back because we talked about Ghost Rider, and that is one of the things that the show added. You know, this season or this half season was the Robbie Reyes version of the Ghost Rider, which ooh, I wasn't even aware of. Uh, again, I am I am old school. <laughs> read comics heavily in the nineties and read a lot of back issues at that time. I used to raid dollar bins because I just cared about story. You, you wouldn't want it to be the writer right before Robbie. Trust me, she was the worst. Okay, <laughs> I hated her anyway. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, to me, it was kind of a shock learning that there's another Ghost Rider anyway because it was established back in the nineties that there were only three spirits of vengeance. But you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, so I was familiar with Johnny Blaze and Dan, mo- mostly Daniel Ketch, but uh, I did read a lot. They had a reprint series of the original Ghost Rider Rides Again, um, which had reprinted all the old Ghost Rider stuff, and I had read my friend's issues of those. So I was familiar with Johnny Blaze and Zarathos and all that. Um, so yeah, so we have Robbie Reyes, who is the, the car driving Ghost Rider. Whereas the previous versions had ridden motorcycles, or the one in the old west had a horse. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so so, what did you were your thoughts on Robbie Reyes? Uh, Eric, we'll start with you because I think you're familiar with him from the comics. I I've only read bits and pieces of him in the comics, but uh, I I really like the actor and I really like the character overall. I hated his brother with a passion. Yeah, <laughs> I hated everything about his brother. Though I guess in the comics, his brother is special needs which i'm kind of glad that they didn't go with because something tells me that would have been even worse you know what i mean especially if they had mm-hmm. the actor play it play it certain ways i feel like that would definitely be more cringy than you know 
sympathetic. Though mm. could also explain why the brother was very clear cut against Daisy at moments. And it's like, okay, buddy, <laughs> your brother is ten times worse than her at the moment, so leave her be. <laughs> well, that was the thing to me. I mean, all the sympathy for the brother went away when he was just like, you need to go to Daisy after she was being helpful to him and everything else. Yep. And it's like, your brother's already involved in really awful stuff. You know, there's no reason to be taking it out on Daisy. But yeah, that yeah, yeah. It it seemed like drama for drama's sake. And where where did he go in the first place in those last couple episodes? He like disappeared completely. The late, the little brother. Oh yeah, um, the director uh, Mace is his name, right? Um, yeah. Director yep. Mace. Uh, he he said that they were having a shield counselor look after him because they thought that. That his brother was dead at that point. Oh, okay. So they kind of just like, yeah, shifted him off. He's getting counseling, you know, there's all the excuse they gave for it, and that's. <laughs> we don't need to pay the actor anymore. <laughs> So, Ryan, what were your thoughts on Ghost Rider? I enjoyed it uh, more than I kind of thought I would. I, I went in expecting... Actually, I went in not expecting anything. I thought, wow, Ghost Rider, that's cool, but S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't the right spot for him, and they're not going to have the budget for him. So anything they were able to do was a surprise for me. And the fact that they were able on just about every episode to have him you know, flame on um, at some point was, was a thrill. I, I felt... That the balance wasn't quite right, and they, it, the each episode went from trying to decide if this was an Agents of Shield show featuring Ghost Rider to just I, I don't know this this season just with the Ghost Rider half of it just felt a little off for me. I enjoyed it in a lot of ways, uh, but it just it's like they were wrapping up the human stuff, and I kept feeling like they were trying to build up to Doctor Strange with the Darkhold and everything. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't feel like there was, as much as I enjoyed Ghost Rider, I didn't feel like there was a payoff for me with with the character or with his fate or with with the entire season as a whole in that respect. But having said that, I would totally watch more of him if I got a chance. Yeah, I mean, you brought up something that I have been thinking a lot of myself is that I hate the fact that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feels obligated to tie in with whatever movie is coming out and I get the reason why and usually that's worked well I mean certainly it worked well with Winter Soldier yeah where the tie-in like gave Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like it's it's entire energy you know it's been riding ever since (laughs) um and even Civil War but those were more earthbound movies for them to tie into but when they're trying to tie into things like Thor the Dark World that you know that episode was embarrassing um, and, uh, you know, it feels like tying into something like Doctor Strange doesn't seem right for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because they're so hamstrung by the tone of the show that even with all the things that Doctor Strange did to sort of establish that there is magic in the Marvel Universe, we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where Fitz is like, oh no, look, it's really circuitry that's been, like, advanced to a higher dimension, and if you look through these goggles, you can even see it's circuit boards in here in this box that you thought was magic. So it's kind of like, okay, so, you know, they're, they're kind of tying it in with Doctor Strange with magical... Uh, you know, terminology, but at the same time, they're still trying to keep it grounded in more of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of stuff. And I'm just cringing at the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy is what's coming out in May, and I just feel like they're going to have another, like, kind of slapdash tie-in towards the end of the season to Guardians. Um, I hope they don't. They'll have to arrest one of the, uh, one of the, uh, Ravers. Reavers. 
the Ravagers. <laughs> Ravagers. Ravagers, yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you know, but at least with since they've had the Cree, there and there would be a little bit more. It would be more organic uh, um, to have a Guardians tie-in than, than the Doctor Strange one. One felt it never felt like magic to me. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe it's the fact that you could actually read the Darkhold title, you know, or something. It, it just it's kind of like. I feel like the movie succeed in in taking Captain America and putting him in an espionage setting, or taking uh, the Guardians and putting them in a space romp adventure. But this tried to take magic and make it work in the Agents of Shield universe rather than put Agents of Shield in the magic universe. Well, yeah, because here's the thing: I never imagined when somebody opened the Darkhold that they saw schematics, yeah. and graphs and things of that nature. You know, and that to me like made it feel really wrong for the Darkhold to be like a science textbook yeah. that just translates itself into whatever language you can read. Yeah. Now, one of the I mean, since we're talking about the Darkhold, who called it when Ada opened it up and it was machine code that oh crap, it's going to rewrite her program. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, you guys, you are so screwed up letting yeah. her read this thing because that's a program. She's basically downloading a program as she turns these pages. Yeah, you may regret uh, this. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, well, here's Ultron all over again, folks. <laughs> yeah, you know, because that was the thing. They brought up the LMDs last season. And, you know, I'm thinking there's going to be a ward bot you know, right around the corner, and they kind of teased us this whole first half of the season of Ada being a presence, you know, in a few episodes, but I had no clue where they were going with it, because, you know, first they made sure to point out that no, you know, she is only designed to imitate, she cannot have an original thought, you know, it's never be an Ultron, and everything else, and it's just like, well, what what point narratively does she serve them? Because she doesn't look like somebody, so she can't be a decoy in that sense, you know, LMDs are usually used in the comics to be like, oh, here's the Fury LMD, so we send him out somewhere dangerous so that he takes a bullet instead of the real Nick yeah. Fury. But uh, I mean, their, he, their whole purpose was, hey, we killed the character, but we want to bring him back. Oh, that one was an LMD. You know? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and it wasn't until that end, which I thought was actually really brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, to, is that being what sets, you know, what gives Ada her own mind? And we even see her. And I liked how they tied that visually in with the magic in Doctor Strange, drawing those lines, but, you know, like they do with the slings. But the timing doesn't work on that, I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but she would have had to have kidnapped May when May was a uh, uh, was there, you know, possessed by by the Darkhold. Well, um, that's when that, she no, replaced no, no. her. Yeah, that's when she no, that, replaced her. No, that is not when she replaced her. They sent May back to get Ada. Oh, uh, and that's oh, when. Yeah, that's when she replaced her. It was towards the end of that last episode. Oh, I'm surprised. Uh, The poor red shirt. (laughs) She keeps May alive, but the red shirt, nope, dead. (laughs) I'm sure it's going to be the typical replicant, you know, reasoning is that, oh, I still have a lot to learn from humans, so I need to keep one alive to, you know, learn what I can from you instead of just killing you, too. I know I know you were using you were using that terminology as, you know, the overall terminology. But she mm. does kind of remind me of the actors they had playing the replicants from Stargate SG-1 in performance. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Actually, I was thinking of the Batman, the animated series episode, but then I remember those are called duplicants, not replicants. Yeah, yeah the replicants but, were the uh, SG, SG mm-hmm. Atlantis. Yeah, they were like, replicators. Legos. Oh, replicators, yeah. 
Yes. Replicants, isn't that what they call That's them in Blade, Blade Runner? Yeah. Oh, is yeah, it Blade, Blade Runner? Runner? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, we were both off on that one. <laughs> right. Ignore me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, you guys have any thoughts about LMDs and Ada and, and what they're doing there? Well, actually, I have something that ties into it. Before the Mace reveal, I was convinced in the back of my head, I'm like, what if he? What if this guy turns out to be, you know, Jim Hammond? What if he turns out to be yes. the original Human Torch? I thought for yeah. sure that's where they were going with it, and then they're like, "Nope, he's another, he's another 1940s kind of obscure, you know, hero." And it's just like, oh, that's kind of, I mean, still yeah. awesome, but kind of disappointing because I really wanted them to just flat out go, Jim, Jim Hammond, and then you know, all our nerd brains go. <gasps> Yeah, I was really... In fact, you might be the one... I remember reading that somewhere online. I couldn't remember who said it, but someone suggested to me that it was Jim Hammond. And that... I couldn't get that out of my head from that point. And in fact, in the episode where May goes crazy because of the uh, effect that the uh, you know, the ghost had on her uh, with her brain, you know, getting messed up, I... You know, his, his movements when he took down May were so robotic. Yeah. Yeah. And so stiff. That I was like, oh, they're trying to show that that he's really Jim Hammond, that he's an android. And uh, it wasn't to be. Yeah, his personality, I mean, the way he's playing the character, and I know Jason America can do differently, but he played the whole... I, I agree. I think we all wanted this, because he played the whole character like how you would imagine... It's like how Data pretending to be human. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Right, because it was too over the top. Even in the yeah. 40s, when they had the slogans that he's saying, they weren't that... You know, like, people weren't that, like, passionate about it. You know, it seems so fake, how yeah. the way that he says these things. And, yeah, it sounds it seems like a robot trying to pretend to be human. My, yeah. my favorite part of the whole season, though, was when him and Phil finally made peace with each other. Because I, I really liked that moment. Because it was right after, you know, he found out, I've been, I've been played by that senator. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. had one of my agents taken pretty much against her will to a place that I am just finding out what happened there to you know turn around and realizing oh this is why this is why phil kept everything as close to his vest as possible for years and just that understanding of each other at the very end of the season i thought was a very nice nod and i kind of can't wait to see that friendship played off of more now that especially now that they have that better understanding of each other and i really think towards the back half of the season that we'll see mace uh less like he'll be more comfortable around the overall team but you know you'll you'll probably see like a more paranoid aspect of the character to be like i need to keep myself on guard of all times so i don't get played by anybody again i I liked that they get that the way they introduced him made him seem fairly sinister yeah um i like that they kind of put us off by him you know the way that he was compartmentalizing information that he was putting in such a rigid rank structure and everything else and it was kind of like you know this guy doesn't trust these people that we've been following for all these years and you know it kind of puts you off but it's sort of a deliberate move and i felt that that was important though to create some interest in what's going on at shield and to really sort of invest us in in everything and i like how they've come to you know and he seemed like a real jerk towards the middle to end of the season when he's like uh making Gemma you know, go off, uh, you know, without telling her what she's doing. And, uh, you know, Gemma hinted that there's some dark secret in his past that she knows and that she'll blab if he, you know, doesn't do the right thing and stuff like that. 
But then, yeah, I mean, it seems like they really pulled back on that in the last few episodes, and I was glad to see S.H.I.E.L.D. working as a team again. The only thing that I felt that was really felt false is Coulson's implication that he had Daisy earmarked for the director's position, because... It's the one thing that I've hated about Sky from day one is Miss Perfect Sky that everybody loves and adores and she can do no wrong and, you know, we'll let her do things that we shouldn't let her do just because she's Sky and gosh darn it, we just all love her. And that seems like a really ridiculous position to put someone that young and that inexperienced yeah. in the director's seat. Uh, and I felt like the whole implication felt like ridiculous and false. So yeah, that turned her back into the chosen one. The you know prophecy. right. So <laughs> yeah. I knew I knew the second she was back on the helicarrier, like uh, two episodes you know before the finale. It's just like yep, I know exactly where they're going with this. So the second you know she gets in front of the cameras, I'm like Mace is gonna say she was deep undercover this entire time. Watch, it's gonna be the biggest easiest retcon imaginable. And then it was like yep, there it is. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the thing is, he is someone who is a little slimy because he does care about Image so much, but that's who they really needed. If S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. is going to be integrated back into the public, they need someone who's that focused on how S.H.I.E.L.D. looks yep. and, you know, make sure that everything appears to be on the up and up. So I, I really liked that as well. I thought it was so smooth the way that he did it and everything. It's like I, Agent... I really like the character a lot so yeah. far. Yeah. He, he strikes me as kind of um, necessary for that world at that time. Like you said, we've got a new public shield in the aftermath of the Sokovian Accords. And this, mm. that's the exact char- super-powered character you would need. Someone who is controlled by the system, but can also work the system uh, to get what he needs. Um, and so, he's, so he is course, a politician. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, of course, the irony of, did we learn nothing from Ultron? Oh, yeah, give give the piece of technology the magic book. That's totally right. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. I feel like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be able to do such a better job uh, with that story idea than the movie was, because the movie had to have so much going on yeah. with so many different characters. It didn't really give Ultron that much time. It didn't really let him... I mean, he was he was no different than any other villain. The fact that he was a robot didn't really factor in, because he didn't hack things. He didn't... I mean, except at the beginning when he had all those suits of armor, but you know, he didn't really do the kinds of things that a, a robot could do, you know, if you utilize all of its capabilities of being able to infiltrate computers and... Yes, he did. Uh, he, well, well he, yes, he well, was. Except, he was except, to... except that Jarvis was blocking exactly. him the whole time. So, exactly. right. So that's the thing. So he tried, but the movie didn't let him actually succeed at anything. So if he succeeded, like... it would have, he would have gotten the nuclear codes, and then it would be Mad Max. You know? <laughs> right. But it just felt like they. Yeah, uh, it just didn't feel like a, a. It could have been any generic villain in that role, Which, uh, but... and you just lifts a city up and then drops it. I mean, that's. <laughs> Which, I mean, the Mad Max thing is ironic in the first place because the the character that pretty much got the most out of that whole movie is the guy with the bow and arrows. <laughs> no. hey, uh, you know, he felt like a James Bond villain. I'll give you that. You know? yes. oh, he totally felt like a James Bond <laughs> <laughs> right. So So, yeah, I think that Ada and the idea of LMDs that can blend in seamlessly with humanity will be a lot creepier. And with them having 13 more episodes to deal with it. Well, not yeah. to mention the fact that it's going to be very Blade Runner replicate, replicator mm. kind of situation yeah. because 
you know that's where they're going with that is suddenly you're going to start having to have the paranoia act up because it's like us as viewers will be going which one of these characters whether it be a background actor or you know like a sudden new character that pops up it's like one of any one of these people could be one of the lmds because we don't know what's happening oh i really hope that they play with us like that and make make it certain that someone's been replaced and not tell us that would be and so stuff awesome. like that yeah. you know and just make us question the whole time who is real and who isn't even doing like a double bluff like they oh. finally find may and it's like oh we found may and may is real and there was this replicant all along and it turns out to be a second replicant that ada sent in they were getting <laughs> suspicious something like that where it's like nope it's still no, no, another no. one Jeez. also <laughs> i predict that by the end of the season that shotgun can shoot axes <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. But, oh my god, okay, it's already he... attached to the back of the shotgun, which is kind of awesome in itself. Oh, that is like the best thing that they have developed on that yeah. show is the axe gun or Mac <laughs> general. But okay, I got to say two things about about this. Uh, the first one is you want to talk about we're living in doubt. I'm still not convinced that Simmons wasn't brainwashed by Hydra when she worked for them way back in season two. I swear they put her in that machine and she's a sleeper agent and just doesn't know it. Um, mm. So that's my whole long... I, I'm still waiting for that to pay off. Hey, hey, but, listen. You hurt Fitz anymore, I will come to you. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so much the Fitz abuse that I can take, alright? <laughs> Here's the thing, though. With every time that they've killed off Hydra for the last time, it is starting to get ridiculous. I really hope they don't bring up Hydra anymore just because it's gotten so ridiculous that they've killed Hydra off for the very last time. Every three time. times now. Yeah, I know, I know. Right, I, and... Forth, you know. But, I don't <laughs> know. I, then, then she could refound hydra how wicked would that be oh uh, that would be seven. amazing that would be pretty yeah. awesome actually have her dye her hair green and do be like sort of their version of viper that would be something but the other hey, thing i want to say baron helmet's still out there 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 are That's still true. a few yeah hydra um agents and you know a lot of, there's a lot of hydra story i think could be told if they did it right yeah i agree. Yeah. maybe avoid it for a little while but uh, regarding the lmds you know, we, you were, we've mentioned Ultron, and I think a, a difference between Ultron and the LMDs is every time you do a robot story like this, the robots either want to become human or they want to destroy humans. And Ultron mm-hmm. wanted to destroy humanity. I think these LMDs, the very fact that, like you said, they're choosing to look like humans, they, they could look more efficient. They could look like Ultron. They couldn't make vibranium bodies if they wanted to, if they could get a hold of it. Um, so I, I really think... We're gonna we're gonna see that that story told from that other vantage point of they in the end it's just gonna be it's just gonna end up being that they wanted to be human they just well, wanted to be loved. yeah it's, it's more invasion of the body snatchers yes. than it is the faculty in World War Two mm-hmm. World uh, War of the Worlds yeah oh I was yeah. thinking more of the faculty where the uh, aliens started to like take over and possess the people you know possess the people as opposed to invasion of the body snatchers which complete which completely makes a new version slash clone of that person that acts yeah, but that's, slightly differently that's still the same thing is the aliens want you know they look human they kind of want to be human or take over humanity it's more i think it's more ultron was more war of the worlds where they want to destroy humanity oh okay yeah i, yeah. See what mm-hmm. yeah. I agree <laughs> it yeah. took me a minute <laughs> but now i gotta go watch faculty all right, so so we talked about we talked about Fitz and Simmons. Am I the only one that thinks that they have no idea what to do with them now that they're together? Moonlighting effect. No. They're and I hate to say it, but they're much better as characters when they're not together. 
Yeah. Not not like from a romantic angle, but I mean from like when the two of them are interacting, as opposed to when you have like Mac and Fitz, or you know mm-hmm. Simmons, and even when Simmons and Sky are together, you know they're much they're much more interesting when they're playing off of other characters. The second you put those two in the room together and try to explore the relation the relationship stuff, it's kind of like. You've teased poor Fitz for almost four right. full seasons now, and put him through all this crap, and now none of you know none of us fans really care. We'd much rather see him like happy with his friends than in this relationship. It's really weird. But and I hate saying like I hate saying anything negative because Simmons actress, she's fantastic, but mm. I don't care much for the character because she always she's she still comes off as xenophobic and racist against the inhumans and kind of just overall like not like a jerk but you know what i mean like it's a little stuck up yeah the holier than that route Mm. especially against sky which this season has made me want to go listen (laughs) right to the (laughs) it's like someone needs to slap some sense into you (laughs) to be fair sky did ambush her you know and Quasi kidnapper, you know. <laughs> but my feelings on Fitz and Simmons are it's kind of like how I felt about Wash and uh, Zoe on, on Firefly. It's like, what? Let, let me let, hear me out. Um, it's tough for these shows, for genre shows, to do the happy couple. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it almost never works. Wash and Zoe together wash playing off each other eh, they were okay but they were more fun playing off of other people you know wash with everyone else zoe with uh um the captain with mal or whatever so it's the same here i don't care about fitz and simmons together let them be together let them be happy it only makes sense after four years i'm going to use my curse word here um that they shit or get off the pot so let them have their relationship and then just let them play with other people so that's that's my feelings on it yeah but I, I understand the point you're making, but I would argue that that's more Alan Tudyk as an actor, because <laughs> you want to see him play off of literally everybody imaginable. Even even when he's K two, you still want to see him be playing <laughs> off of every single person imaginable, because that's Alan Tudyk with his personality. With with Fitz, it's more there's especially with Mac of all people. I know oh, I yeah, brought him yeah. brought him up the Fitz and Mac dynamic. Is yeah. so interesting because you got you you know you got this guy who started off as a mechanic and you know is very special ops as opposed to Fitz who is much more science oriented and needed a new friend in in a situation that he was going through this horrible terrible you know situation that he needed to rehab from and found a friend in in diame- diametrically opposed in mentality and idealism and it works in a really interesting way like that's that's the kind of thing that i'm talking about no mac was able to heal fitz in this sense or fix yeah and i get that but i'm just saying i think four seasons of fitz and simmons will they won't they would make me hate the characters way more than if they just do it have a relationship be happy and then work with other people. Well, to me, it felt false from the beginning when they got together because the show has made no secret of the fact that Simmons is interested in big strapping types. I mean, yeah. first it was with um, the guy who became Deathlock, uh, Mike Peters. Yep. She yep. was kind of uh, infatuated with him. Then it was um, Trip. She was infatuated with Trip. Oh, then she trips. was infatuated with the guy that uh, you know she was stuck on the alien planet with, and it was like, and then suddenly it's just like, 
oh, because, you know, the fans want it, you know, Fitz and Simmons are just going to get together right now. And it just felt so false to me. And that's why I thought for sure one of them was going to die at the end of season three. Because I was like, ah, this is what they're going to do. They're going to get Fitz and Simmons together <laughs> and kill off Simmons so that we can dr drive Fitz through the ringer, you know, one more time. Uh, because he finally got what he wanted and then have it taken away from him brutally. And, uh, you know, they didn't go that route um, at all. And now it's we get into the domestic squabbles of Fitz and Simmons, which is just painful to watch. <laughs> and it's like, you could have you just had it come to a head where Simmons was like, look, I'm your friend, but we're never going to be together that way. And that would have at least put the will they or won't they to bed. No, I, you know, I still really want to know who the who that new Inhuman was. Yeah, and that's the other question of the season: is how is that going to play in with the LMD stuff? Because yeah, we've got the senator's brother, yeah. who's an Inhuman, uh, but you know, it was really weird circumstances where he was in his cocoon, uh, you know, for a long time. Yeah, and uh, who who is he going to turn out to be, and what kind of powers will he have? Especially with how last season they drove it home that every Inhuman gets their powers for a reason, which I didn't like that, that they stupid. made it like quasi mystical. Yeah. But it's but if they're gonna go that route, it's like, well, at this period of time with what's going on right now, how is this person's powers going to fit in with what they need? You know, so I, I don't know. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. I mean, uh, it could just very well be a setup for I don't know what's the next move. Like I said. Except for Guardians, who the hell knows, you know? But, um, right. yeah. I guess. It's Adam Warlock. Oh, well. <laughs> he comes out of cocoons. <laughs> well, we know it can't be Howard the Duck, okay? So You're right, yes. Can, can I tell you I'm still shocked that we don't know who's playing him at this point? Oh, I, I don't think he's going to be in the movie. I, I think they're cutting him out. Warlock? Yeah. Yeah, I think Vision is taking yeah. his place. I don't think we're going to get Adam Warlock. I, I wish we would have Adam Warlock, you know, but you know it doesn't seem like they're going there. Why? Well, all three of us, we've all read certain uh, certain books. Um, can you imagine what the, main, like the mainstream audience's reaction is going to be when that gem gets ripped out of his forehead? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. that is not going to be pretty. <laughs> There's going to be, be awesome. there's gonna be just, Transformers, yeah. the movie, like, crying, but from grown <laughs> women instead of children. <laughs> you know, the, the the actor that plays Vision, um, Paul Bettany, now that you mentioned mm -hmm. that, I mean, my wife and pretty much every woman I've ever met, whenever he's come up in conversation, they swoon yep. a little. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't see it myself. Maybe it's the accent. I don't know. But yeah, well, that's, that's the thing, is all three of us know he's going to survive that because he's the vision. The gem mm. does not define the vision. <laughs> He'll lose some power, yeah, but he's yeah. going to be fine eventually. Well, I wonder if they're not going to have him sit out most of Infinity War 2 until they can break the gauntlet or something and then have him show up. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, because it might very well be that he goes into some sort of coma when the gem is ripped from his forehead. That cast list, um, by the way, is crazy. Did you see the final oh, yeah. shooting cast list? It's insane. There's quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally everybody from every single movie so far that they could get. Yeah, I heard even Betty Ross is going to be back, which... I'm pretty sure I even saw the, uh... I'm pretty sure I saw the, uh, Warriors 3 in there, too. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, I just don't care for Liv Tyler as Betty at all. 
I thought she was awful, so I didn't really need her back. I don't get the heat that that movie gets, by the way. I really like the Ed Norton Hulk movie. Thank you. Bravo. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a whole other podcast about that one, Eric. That's true. Because, I'm just saying. Yeah, other, other than Norton, I don't think anything in that movie was good. Was good. Really? I, 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 I thought William Hurt was an awful General Ross. I thought Liv Tyler like was Roth? awful. Hey, I share a birthday with Tim Roth. I'll fight. Oh, okay. No, Tim, you know, you're right. Tim <laughs> Roth is okay. That, uh, was, that was the tease of the Super Soldier stuff. Yeah, yeah. the guy they got to play Leonard Sampson was awful. In fact, I didn't even realize he was supposed to be Leonard Sampson until I saw the credits. The guy that Betty was living with um, was actually Dr. Yeah. Sampson. It, it, that, it and, was Phil from Modern Family. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'll they, give you that one. He was pretty weak. And and their leader was awful, also. So I was just, uh, yeah, I I didn't. Hey, it's better than the uh, Eric Bana one. And see, I disagree with you on that one. I I I don't think that the Eric Bana one was fantastic, but I think it was fair, and I think it was better than the Incredible. Uh, His his father is. Never mind. We're not getting into it because that doesn't look at all. But see, but see, here's the thing: the 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 Eric Bana Hulk movie got right that it's a psychological condition, whereas the Norton movie said it was like a drug where he could even remember things that the Hulk did. And I'm like, no, it's a separate personality. You cannot remember anything that happens when you're the Hulk. And it's <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing that he even was hulking out while he was uh, kissing Betty because he was his heartbeat was... Ri- That's not what makes him the Hulk. The Hulk is the anger, yeah, the, not the, his heart rate. You, you might, that was you might have to have a conversation with Greg Pak <laughs> about that one. He was in The Incredible Hulk writer for a long time. He's the guy that did uh, World War Hulk, which is what now half of uh, Thor Ragnarok is based on, which is kind of cool. But uh, Well, Peter Peter David, to me, is the definitive Hulk writer, and that's the one that I got all of my basis of the Hulk from. And that's and he's the one that brought in the whole psychological aspect of the Hulk, and the, that's what the, the Bonham movie gets that. I didn't like, uh, oh crap, uh, 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 Nolte. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing with the dad was stupid, the whole third act was the problem. But the first That's two you acts, can't I think, see are anything great. in the third act. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's just the, a the bubble. Thir- or, you know. No, it's literally a dark screen with shadows. They should have, they should have <laughs> left the father stuff to flashbacks and not even brought the dad in, had a different villain as the villain, and that could have been a great movie. But all the stuff between Ross and, and by the way, Sam Elliott as. Thunderbolt, perfect casting for Thunderbolt Ross. I agree. I can, ooh, I can tie this back into Agents of Shield. <laughs> no, watch, watch, because I really like um, uh, the whole char- the whole character that they br- keep bringing into uh, Agents of Shield. I really like oh, uh, Talbot. Oh, yeah, Talbot. Yeah, Talbot. Uh, yeah. Uh, flying Man. <laughs> yeah, Frying Man. Wait, yeah. Was he in this season at all? Was Talbot? Uh, I think he was in two episodes at the very beginning. He was in. Yeah, he was in the end of season three. He was at the very end because when they were bringing the Sokovia Accords, he was the one that was liaising with with Phil about the so- Sokovia Accords. Yeah, and they had his kid kidnapped or his wife kidnapped or something. Why like that. Uh, did he get booked on another show? Is that why he didn't show up? I I was yeah because that's the thing I was expecting him to be the new director right? I was it like oh if Shield's sense, going too. public right yeah because he's the one that's already dealt with these guys and they would probably make him the public face but I think it makes sense though their justification for having an Inhuman as the director um, awesome. you know because if they're dealing. <laughs> Right, because I mean, it makes the most political sense because it gives them some credibility within humans as well as with the public. Here is my question to tie back into Mace, though: How long do you think he's had his power set for? Because I can see this going two different ways. Because it does every piece of dialogue attached to his history, the teases of his past, 
it seems like this could be an Ant-Man situation where there was a secret agent, you know, working with S.H.I.E.L.D. in in a certain time frame. You know, like, he's he doesn't seem like he's brand new to these to this power base yeah. at all. Yeah. It seems like he's a he's a longtime war hero that has been brought in, you know, to to help with things. Like, it seems like there's this long and we know the character, the character's comic book history is attached to a certain era. So it's really kind of curious to know. So that begs the question, when did he go through Terra Genesis? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I got that sense that he'd been around as a superpowered individual for quite some time, long enough to get his own mythology uh, about him and to become a public figure, you know? So I, yeah, but if that's the case, did he go through the training, uh, in the city whose name escapes me or, you know, with, with Sky's mother or did he, if he came about it? Yeah. Then, then how did he get it? Uh, was he, I mean, we know the Nazis had, um, for a little while, uh, one of the obelisks. So I'd be curious to know where he my, comes from. My honest guess would be it has to be somewhere in between Ant-Man's last, not, not first, you know, not first operation as an agent, but last operation as an agent and Steve's disappearance. It has to be between there. And my honest guess would be, especially with the age of uh, age of the character slash actor, Cold War. Hmm. That would be my guess. My take on this has been that he was a secret agent who later gained prominence, but not necessarily superpowered. And then he, he got his powers with the fish oil, which also de-aged him. Because if he's, they keep saying he's got a World War II background, you know, and all the press releases for him. So even though they haven't quite gone there in the dialogue in the show, if they're going to say that he is that old, which would explain all his slogans and everything, um, I'm thinking that, yeah, he was probably just an agent of some kind that later gained some sort of political prominence. He got old, he took the fish oil, you know, he got powers and was de-aged, and now they're like, oh, okay, well, he looks like the all-American hero. He's got this record that, you know, people are familiar with, so now he is the perfect person to put in here because Rogers is somewhat tainted because he's, you know, billed as a public enemy, you know, after what happened in Civil War. So it actually would be interesting to see what the rank and file, or what the general public thinks of what happened yeah. in Civil War. Yeah. yeah. And what the public knows of what happened in Civil War, which is something they've never given us that sort of perspective of what is being told to people. You know, there was a pretty public, you know, fight in Germany. Well, I think <laughs> between the two halves of the Avengers, one, one of so. one of the reasons that question intrigues me so much, and something that I'd love to see them play with, play with even more, is like I said, we we have that Ant Man history, so we know he was an agent, or you know, working as a as mm-hmm. as a helper to Shield for a while. You had him, you you know, you possibly have uh, Mace, you have Agent Carter, you you could basically have a team, you know somewhere in between when Cap disappears. Yeah. Obviously we had the Howling Commandos as well, but when Cap disappears and basically now, like you have that that mm. possibility of some sort of secret slash espionage slash cool team that you could that you could play with the history there that I'm surprised yeah. that they haven't really taken advantage of yet. I, I agree with you. I think like there's a whole untold like eighties, seventies, eighties um Marvel history that involves Howard Stark 
uh, Hank Pym's uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp um, and that I agree they've hinted at it so much and I'm blinking there were a couple other easter eggs to that effect besides just Ant-Man and here Jack Flag yeah, so I mean, Mace, Mace could fit right on in to that. Uh, so I could see that as well, but I also kind of like this idea of him being de-aged. I, it could, think of it is, is on screen, they've said nothing about him except that he's an inhuman and that he's a hero. Mm-hmm. So they could go anywhere with it. Yeah, it, it, I will begin on my soapbox one last time and say that I'm still annoyed with the first Captain America movie for making it impossible for us to have the invaders. Right? Um, yeah, right? Because that's what I would have really loved is is to have those World War II stories with, you know, uh, Namor, if they could get the rights yeah. back, and the original Human Torch, and, you know, all those other really cool World War II no, characters. They do, they do, no, they do not. It is uh, clickbaity articles that have said that they have him back. I've done extensive research on this. Well, I thought he was. Is he part he's of Fantastic Four's rights then? No, I think he's universal. No, he is. He's universal as Namor. He might be one of those weird gray areas, right? Like the Hawk, where they don't have distribution rights, but they do have. Movie. Listen, guys, as long as we don't get another uh, situation like we got with Man Thing a few years ago, I think we're good. Oh, that freaking movie movie was awful. That movie depresses me so much. (laughs) And yet, Man Thing exists in the Marvel Universe as we know it. Yep. The references in Iron Man 3, and then there was a couple references in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But it doesn't canonize the movie that that, uh, Lion's uh, Gate did. No, no, or should it? If we're going to get Man Thing, (laughs) we have to get uh, full fledged Howard the Duck first. Hey, you know what? Nothing's wrong yes. with that, and I still say the Howard the Duck movie is the real beginning of the MCU. Nothing. Uh, no, no, no. Right. we're talking a new Howard the Duck movie, sir. We're no, not no, talking no, George whatever, Lucas. But I'm just saying. I, I'm fine with the '80s one don't, being. Don't the... get me wrong. I love Leah Thompson as much as the uh, next person, but uh. <laughs> no, really, Leah Thompson is amazing. <laughs> I agree, you know, but I still say nothing contradicts it, it, that Howard the Duck movie could be the real beginning of the MCU. Just replace the original actor's voice with uh, with uh, Seth Green's. You'll be good. <laughs> uh, let, let's try and uh, sort of wrap things up because we're going a little bit long here. But uh, but uh, does anyone else feel like they're trying to do a Coulson May romance? Yeah, what the hell is going on with that? Thank you. Oh. I know. Well, that too. it's been hinted. It's been hinted since the first season where they've had sort of a, a sexual tension, but then when they brought her ex-husband back, they backed away yeah. from that, and it hasn't been a thing. But, yeah, now they're bringing it back, and of course now with May being replaced by an LMD, it's going to be hijinks, I think, as Coulson's going to you know like sleep with the LMD or something and not realize it isn't May, and then when the real May comes back, it's going to be awkward, and I... I I'm worried that this is going to get into like the kind of drama that I don't really like care for in this kind the of show. The actress that they had last season, um, she's one of my favorite like obscure actresses with all the stuff that she did. When she was when they were playing around with her as being a love interest for him, I yeah. thought that was awesome, and I really thought those yeah. two played well off of each other, which is why the death worked as well as it did. But that was also a ball that I think was dropped because in the back of your head, especially as a fan of the character not necessarily the show you want to see some sort of happiness for that character mm-hmm. and i think that's you know one of those things that it, it it just doesn't work old war friends suddenly you know deciding to start up a romance especially when you know the kind of character that may has been throughout both you know from the stuff that's been te- teased from her professional life as well as just 
her as a character. It doesn't work to see her try to start up a romance. I'm not thrilled with it either, and I wasn't thrilled with it back in season one when they kind of hinted that they might go there. But then, back then, I thought that Ward really was Agent Bland, and I thought that was just supposed to set up a love triangle with Ward, May, and Coulson. And then, you know, when Ward turned, it was like, oh, okay, well, never mind. This is not what I was thinking at all. But, um... Yeah, I don't care for it. I'd rather they bring back Amy Acker, frankly, right? and have the cellist. Um, I, I love Amy Acker, and I would love to see her in more things. Um, yeah, but then Deathlock might have some problems. Oh, why is that? Didn't? Oh, wait, am I mixing up my actors? Yeah, I think you Didn't are. He play, no, he played Gun. Oh, 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 I was making oh, a joke. That's where you're going. Yeah, okay. okay, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. But yeah, in, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., his character, you know, had nothing to do with her. I'm but yes, making okay, a I gotcha. joke and mixing my weed in universes. You know what? <laughs> Frankly, I wish if ABC was going to do a spinoff of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I've wanted them to do a Deathlock series yeah, right? since, you know, season one. Um, because I think I think they have all the story elements there. You know, the guy who wants to be human, he doesn't feel like he can face his yeah. son. You know, all the stuff I remember from the Deathlock comic book. You know, it's like you know, I yeah, they need to do it as a kind of like a a man on the road, kind of like the the old Hawk TV series yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree. There's something there. I don't know if it's a budget factor or just they don't think well actually what i honestly think marvel needs to do and this is way off topic but they need an anthology tv series where every week yeah. or ever mm-hmm. like for four weeks in a row they can tell these singular stories about other characters and just branch out the universe you know characters that aren't big enough for a movie or a tv series but could still carry a few episodes i wouldn't mind if they would do use the old uh, uh winter slot that they used to do with peggy carter yeah, well, they, um... and do an anthology every season where it's okay this this season we're gonna do this character and next season we're gonna do another character or whatever because uh, that might be easier for them to do they did a web series with uh yo-yo they, yeah, 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 yeah. I I don't really care about web series, <laughs> <laughs> and I just can't take her serious with that name. I mean, I love the character. I love her. Oh yeah, Mac. I love the character, and I <laughs> love that her and Mac are family. Yeah, yeah, but that name, I just cringe every time they say it. Yo Yo's got it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I totally got where Yo Yo was coming from this whole season, and then it felt like the reconciliation between her and Mac was so forced and yeah, so it, hurried. It went- way too fast like it needed to be a longer conversation definitely that was probably my favorite episode of the season uh earlier on when um when the watchdogs were using emps to knock out cities and she had Mm -hmm. probably had more screen time in that episode she was at the the bridal uh Mm -hmm. uh, the bachelorette party or whatever it was and you got to see fitz old school a solution Mm -hmm. Uh, i thought that that was (laughs) for some reason a badass yeah yeah yeah, that was a great episode. That felt like the highlight of the season for me. That was Shield, Agents of Shield. But you know, that's also yeah, I, I'd agree with uh, that. That's the episode where they're probably most removed from the big picture. They were back to being a little a core team again. Yeah, I mean, they haven't. I mean, with the Inhuman stuff, it's been kind of weird because it feels like they need to still deal with it because <laughs> there's it should still be an issue. But at the same time, it was like this whole season was about oh, we got to do Ghost Rider, yeah. so it's felt kind of awkward how they've merged them together. I mean, even the episode where they had their poor man's Gambit guy back, uh, you know, and it turns out that he's actually joined with the Watchdogs to kill all the other Inhumans. But that had the best uh, scene. When Ghost Rider catches the chain the... and just looks at it, yeah. huh, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's true. Yeah. That's true. But I still call that guy poor man's gambit because his gambit's powers. Yeah. 
But, you know, that guy, ugh, I can't I, stand I see him, him as a so. poor man Sawyer from Lost. But, you well, know. that too. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't he originally supposed to play Gambit at one point? The guy that plays Sawyer now? I'd, I'd never heard that, but maybe. I could see it. Or the guy that played Sawyer? <laughs> The Gambit history has been so, like, screwed up and Fox has misstepped so many times with Gambit that it, I, I would not be surprised if just about everyone at one point has been the pick for Gambit. Although I like Taylor Kitsch. That, he was the best, in my opinion, uh, another podcast, but he's the best thing about Brain Origins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Not going to touch that one. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Oh man, who who haven't we talked to? Oh, Sky. Yes, that's right. I wanted to I wanted to leave uh, Daisy slash Sky for um, uh, towards the end. A, a lot of people had problems with her direction this season, but I thought it actually made perfect sense when you consider the fact that they said that what Hive did to her was basically like a drug. Yeah. That and that she was uh, an addict that is on uh, major withdrawal and she's basically suicidal. And so she's trying to channel everything, I mean, even all the things that she's done, like robbing all those places to give the money to the family of that guy that she feels like she owes, the guy who showed her the mm-hmm. future. You know, and so she, you know, it's the season ended last season and started this season with her, you know, giving them all that money so they could set themselves up somewhere. And then her basically going on a suicide mission to take out the watchdogs. And I I liked that direction for the character. And I, like I say, I hated Sky in season one. And I felt like they have redeemed her so heavily yeah. through all the subsequent seasons. Uh, ex- Except for that line by Coulson at the end of the, the midwinter or the midwinter finale there, but um, you know, what do you guys think about what they were doing? I with hope Sky? they keep this look for. Her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to oh. argue that they do. They are wrong. <laughs> it's hey, uh, Nate. It's uh, it's Felicity done right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Sky is Felicity done right. <laughs> I. I I uh, think that Chloe Bennett is probably uh, one of the most, attra- or is one of the most attractive uh, women on television right now. I, yeah, <laughs> wow, yeah. You'll hear no anyway. argument from me. <laughs> right. uh, so, Ryan, what do you think is going on, or how uh, how have you liked what's going on? Sky. With, uh, I mean, Daisy? Well, Daisy, uh, well, there you go. What do we call her? She dates. She's Sky. Sky. Uh, oh, yeah, she, she's yeah, crazy now, wait. officially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mary Sue, I mean, you know. Um, I haven't hated it. Uh, I, I kind of, I, I think, I agree that if you look from season one to now, her character has gone through the most positive trajectory. And it's all made sense, mm-hmm. and it's all made us like her more as a character. Um her, I, I guess she needed to come back to S.H.I.E.L.D. in the end. It's the only thing that kind of made sense to take her to that next level. Uh, but I, I guess I just want her to... I want her to decide if she's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., if she's with S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Inhumans, or what she is. I mean, because she, she, wants to, she wants it both ways. She wants all the resources and friendship and family of S.H.I.E.L.D., but she also wants to do her own thing. And you, you, can't, have, you can't do that. Yeah, I... I... That's kind of my problem, my core problem with the character since the beginning, is it's like, you either have to be all in as part of the team, or you're a loner, and you're just, you know, connecting with them, you know, when it's, when it, you know, meets both of your interests, and that's why, it it also felt kind of forced when she sort of rejoined, because Coulson finally got her, and once Coulson got to her and was like, you're staying, it was like, okay, (laughs) fine, I'm staying now. It's like, really? (laughs) Really? I mean, I know that there's a connection there between yeah. her and Coulson that she doesn't have with Simmons, 
Uh, but at the same time, it just felt like that was way too easy. Well, she's, I, <laughs> you know, that Coulson just tells she's you She's been to. lonely, yeah. you know, she's been out on the road for a while. Maybe, maybe the, the hive pings are starting to fade a little bit. Who knows? It, I, I I'm curious to see how they're going to fit her into the new framework with Mace, because I think those two could butt heads because Mace isn't, doesn't have that relationship, that father figure status with her that, that Coulson does. He won't look the other way and smile and be forgiving like Coulson is. Mm. So it could be interesting. And I, I really, I mean, I know I kind of said it before, but I, I have to say again that I really love that Mace is introducing some friction to the team. Because even though I know some other people don't like it, I feel like after three seasons... You know, it was a little bit too much like, we know they all get along with each other, we know that they all have each other's backs, and having that new character to create some tension, I think is really important to the show, uh, and, and to keeping it fresh and interesting, so I, I am glad that Mace is there. Um, does anyone else feel like we really lost something heavily with the loss of Bobby Oh Hunter? god, I was yep. wondering if you were going to talk about them. Yeah. Right, so much. <laughs> But I, I really hope they get brought back next. Yes. Uh, in the yeah, but she's on a new uh, show now. Well, just bring. I forget what. Remember she, when the show yeah, last season to... became the uh, the hunter, the hunter Fitz and uh, hunter Fitz Mac and Coulson show. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's when it was the best last season. That's what I want <laughs> happen again. Well, they brought so much to the series, and it annoyed me that they wrote them out before they were sure they were getting that Marvel's Most Wanted spinoff. Right. Because, you know, you'd seem like it would seem to me that they wouldn't write them out unless it was guaranteed it, that the spinoff is happening. They were so sure, because it's Marvel, you know, that it was going to go through. They, they took mm-hmm. a gamble, and it failed. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I would really love for them to bring them back. But yeah, I I've, I read I can't remember what the show was, but it was another genre show that she assigned to now. Now, I don't know if it's one of those shows that's, that only does like 10 episodes a season or something, where it might be possible to work with her schedule to bring her back for an episode or two, but I don't think that she can be a regular again. Now, I don't know about the actor who plays Hunter. He might They might be able to get him back, but I don't really want him back unless they can get her back as well. Well, for our listeners, um, on IMDb, she's not listed... On, uh, there's a well, T- Orville. Um, okay, there is some stuff, but only one TV series, something called Orville. I don't know. For 2017, the pilot has all that's been produced. Okay, what what about for 2016? Was she in anything 2016? Robot Chicken. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. but you know what? Orville, this does this is genre set 300 years into the future. The series will feature the crew of the not so functional exploratory ship in the Earth's interstellar fleet. Okay, it's by Seth MacFarlane. Okay, so yeah, she assigned to another show, but you know, depends on how big its seasons are. They could still get her back for a partial season yeah. or something. So and that show could bomb. You know? Right, right, and that might only last one season. But it also depends on how long Agents of Shield has to go. You know, yeah. we're saying it's going to last five seasons, but it might not even get that fifth season. So yeah. we don't know. And with, or we could be wrong, and it'll last eight seasons. You right, know? right. It could go either way. Right. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, although I will say, at at the time of this recording, all four CW superhero shows have been yeah, renewed. I was about to say that. That, yeah. that came don't, through. Don't forget to mention the fact that uh, that we're getting a um, Constantine uh, animated series. Right. Yeah. That is also coming. So yeah, they're on the DC side. They've got their television universe way better. <laughs> filled out which is weird that CW is announcing pickups as soon don't they usually wait until like most networks wait until like May right yeah but CW is always earlier than everybody else 
they have theirs first. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of my friends thinks that they just stamp every show unless it is failing utterly with continues, continue, you know, <laughs> new season, new well, season, you know. Yeah. You get it. But yeah, I, I, my only concern there is the 100 hasn't even aired yet, and that one's still on the bubble. That's another good show people should watch. Mm. Uh, so I, the last thing that I wanted to talk about as far as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the villain that we finally got Underwhelming. there. Yeah, Burn. which was sort of like a poor man's molecule man is kind of how I felt about him. Uh, I, and I thought... I thought at first that that's where they were going, that this was going to be like the Molecule Man, and I was like, how in the world will the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. be able to handle a guy that can create anything that his mind can dream of? You know, because, <laughs> you know, I, I just couldn't imagine that, uh, you know, like what they could possibly do to dis- defeat that. But his powers were pretty limited. He could only create, I mean, he could only create simple compounds even towards the end, and mostly it was just elements. Um, and. And and I didn't quite get what they were dancing around in the last episode. It seemed to be that they were implying that he was just teleporting matter from inside the earth, and that's what was causing the quakes. But yeah, that's yeah. But but they didn't outright say it. Coulson was just like, "You're cheating," and matter can't come from nowhere. But they never quite definitively said it's coming from the earth, and that's why there's quakes because you're creating like gaps inside the crust. Uh, but anyway, that's <laughs> <laughs> we have been waiting for Molecule Man to re. Uh reaccumulate himself since uh, getting sucked into that thing in the very beginning of season one at this point. That's who that was, wasn't it? No, that the was Grava- in- Graviton. Gra- yeah, yeah, Gravitron. Gra- yeah. He yeah. hasn't recorporalized yet, though. Right. It, yeah. It'll happen. But to be fair about his powers, he'd only had them for, like, what, 12 hours? So, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's I mean, true. <laughs> who knows? Give him a week, and who knows? But uh, I-, I-, I feel like he... As a character, I felt he was interesting. You know, mm. as the uncle who felt, you know, it felt everyone had it against him. That was, I, 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 he was interesting. I just never bought that he would go down that road and be, for me, emotionally, the most powerful scene with him, and perhaps of the whole season, was with, when he was torturing uh, Robbie. You know, he kept spiking him. And mm-hmm. he's like, I gave you a chance to leave. Why didn't you leave? Because you got the impression the actor played it in such a way that you, you he, there was real love, real affection that he felt for his nephews. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Eh, power's power. I'm going to kill you if I have to. Right. So I just didn't buy that part. Yeah. The watchdogs were much more interesting. I agree. I wanted to see a watchdogs leader show up and be like, this is our plan. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, and and the senator might turn out to be that person because she hasn't made it, uh, you know, uh, quibbled about the fact that she is very anti-inhuman. Um, so it might turn out that, you know, going down a very X-Men route, which is what they're basically doing with the Inhumans, that they've even got people in high levels of government that are against the Inhumans. And, you know, even though that one guy is her brother, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how she handles the whole thing with her brother. Like, will she act like, well, since he's an Inhuman, he's part of the problem? Or will it be, well, he's my brother, so he's okay, but the rest of them have to go. Um, So I'm interested to see where they're going to go as far as that's concerned, which will probably determine whether or not she's a character that can be reasoned with or redeemed in any way, or if she'll just be a villain. Because if she's someone who will, like, kill her own brother because he's tainted, you know, that's that's probably not a character. Yeah, yeah, that's not a character that's going to uh, turn around and and be one of the good guys. So, Um, 
yeah, so we'll see how that uh, plays out. But yeah, I was really underwhelmed by him as well. Uh, again, it felt like with the season being so abbreviated, we didn't get a whole lot of development. And it was just kind of like, nya nya, you know, I've got powers, so... <laughs> you know, I'm going, fear yes, fear me, because <laughs> I, because no one ever believed in me, and even though I spent all yeah. those years in school, and it's like, and that kind of character can work, but you gotta set him up properly, not like yes. sort of make that the secret reveal at the end was, and I did it all because no one liked me in, you know, in school, and nobody yeah, believed exactly. in me, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> he took it to the point where I expected him to walk into the local 7-Eleven and kill the clerk for being mean to him five years ago. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> you gave me incorrect change. You know? <laughs> Die. Yeah, it's just uh, he worked better. You input. gave me a weird look. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the potential is really there now with all the elements that Agents of Shield has set up. I mean, we've got the alien stuff, which is part of the show. We've got the you know magical stuff that's part of the show. We've got. Um, you know, the Inhumans, we've got LMDs. It seems like if they can, even though, you know, they're saying, you know, the second half of the season we're focusing on LMDs, I hope for a better balance of all the elements and figuring out a way to make them work together in a way where it feels like, oh yeah, you know, in a world where you have all these things, you know, these they, they would interact in this particular way and it makes a lot of sense yeah. instead of feeling like, well, we got to kind of acknowledge the inhuman stuff, but, you know, we're really not interested in it right now. We're going to do a story about robots taking over. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, you know, it, it was kind of, it's a strength and it's weakness, but in seasons past, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. always felt like the connective tissue mm-hmm. that bound the movies and the whole universe together but this year and i don't know maybe this is because of civil war and the sokovian accords and everything but it it, it didn't feel like that anymore it felt like like something else outside the marvel universe to me yeah well i will say this they're handling the accords so much better than the movie did they are well, they have more time to flesh it out. Well, if, yeah, I mean, but if they had just had a line in the movie that they were also going to find enhanced inv- individuals and put them on a list and everything, that would have sold Cap's point of view so much better than the way, you know, because the way it was kind of built in the movie, it was just about the Avengers. You know, they never mentioned other enhanced individuals at all. So, uh, you know, that, that to me is, is really the clear-cut issue of what makes the Accords evil is the fact that they are you know, making people, uh, you know, come forward about something that, you know, they should have a right to, you know, keep private. And as long as they don't, you know, hurt other people, you know, it shouldn't be like this yeah. thing where they're registered and on a list. So, um, you know, yeah, I agree. And, and so, yeah, I, I love all the, I love the aftermath of civil four as handled in agents of shield. Um, so I'm hoping that they do continue with that. And I'm hoping at some point they can segue this back into the movies, you would think the fact that S.H.I.E.L.D. exists again would be something that the mm-hmm. movies can't ignore. <laughs> but we'll see. Well, I mean, now that they do exist, why can't they get the helicarrier back? Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, I mean, Fury's going to be in Infinity War, so maybe that's where they'll explain that S.H.I.E.L.D. is back to the movie audiences as well. I mean, who, who knows? Yeah. But anyway. All right. <laughs> did, uh, did you guys have anything else that you wanted to talk about uh, with this... Uh, past half season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Eric, we'll start with you. I think we've covered everything for the most part. Ryan? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think just from the way we've talked about him that 
it, I, I would swear if you went back and measured this, we talked more about Mace than we did Ghost Rider or anyone else. So I, in that sense, I think he was kind of the breakout character for us. So, but beyond that, I'm just waiting to, for the back half to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, and here to me is the thing with Ghost Rider is that I don't think we'll ever see him again, at least in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because, you know, they've talked about the budgetary reasons and everything else, but yeah. also just because it feels like he was just there to give them a magical tie-in for Doctor Strange. Yeah. So uh, he's not important to the overall overarchingness of the show, whereas Mace, I think, will probably be with the series. I mean, he's definitely going to be at the series for the rest of the season, but if they, it does get renewed, I think that we'll see Mace continue. Uh, in the show, so I, I, I'm more invested in that character and definitely want to know more about him. So, all right, well, we went a little bit long. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, it was had by none. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know. <laughs> but warning, listeners, this may be a trend in future episodes. You right. <laughs> well, it's hard when you're talking about half a season of a show, and really, we kind of went even further back. This is the first time we're talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on this show. Um, but, uh, you know, because it's it sort of compartmentalized it because there's so much that goes on in a season. Uh, and it's kind of hard to truncate that into, you know, an hour-long discussion. Um, so, anyway. But uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. <laughs> and uh, Ryan and Eric, definitely thank you for being on the show. Anytime. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So, Eric, why don't you uh, sign off and let people know where they can find you? Uh, you can find I am probably one of the easiest people to find on the internet. It's not even funny. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at just Eric, at Eric Ratcliffe. With, it's not spelt like the Harry Potter kid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I called Daniel Radcliffe a kid. So get in my eyes. No, um, so it's R-A-T... C-L-I-F-F-E. There's no D, and there's an E at the end. Um, and then you can pretty much find everything else through there. Uh, Newcomicday.net is my awesome webcomic, uh, which we describe as Clerks Meets Looney Tunes, because there are weeks where we're just arguing over something at the comic shop to uh, waking up one morning to discover that Thanos has decided to crash on my couch and now won't leave, no matter what we do. It's been there for three years. Won't leave. Um, and my, since I'm a fellow podcaster, you can find why I love comics on iTunes and Stitcher and uh, com is the other home of the Why I Love Comics podcast. So if you just type in Why I Love Comics... For your podcasting needs, depending on where you listen to podcasts, you should very easily find it. And yeah, that's it. So Eric Rec- at Eric Ratcliffe on Twitter, newcomicday.net, and Why I Love Comics, the podcast. I think that's it. All right. <laughs> Internet. <laughs> well, that's, that's all I know about. And uh, yeah, just so that uh, everyone who's listening to this knows, uh, if you go to the 42cast.com page, uh, all of our contributors, uh, all of our guests will have uh, their own uh, section on the cast page. Uh, and so you can look there, and there are links to all of their stuff that they're working on. So New Comic Day and... Um, 
the podcast that Eric is. <laughs> sorry, I already forgot the name. Of <laughs> why I love comics. Oh, why I love comics. Thank you. The why I love comics uh, is, already, is, is is linked on the Forty Two Cast page, so that you can go there. So uh, yeah, just uh, want to make sure that that's known, so you don't have to write down anything or remember anything. It's it's right there for you. Um, but uh, Ryan, uh, why don't you sign off and tell, let everyone know where they can find you. Well, I'm nowhere near as ambitious as uh, Nathan or Eric. Uh, I do not have my own podcast. I am much more comfortable just taking over other people's. Um, you can find me here at the 42 cast and stalking other, I mean, being friends with other internet personalities. Um, however, I do have a website, geekstranger.com, which you're more than welcome to check out. I wouldn't mind seeing the visitor traffic go above, you know, me and my mom. Um, <laughs> hey, I've I, been there. <laughs> I haven't, granted, I haven't updated it in like six months, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll get around to it. It's happening. Changes are coming. Uh, By all means, you can also follow me at Geek Stranger on Twitter, and I'm Ryan Guthrie on one of the Ryan Guthries on Facebook. I don't know. If you can find Nathan, you you can find me that way. So by all means, come tell me I'm wrong, and I will laugh at you and tell you why I'm right. And you can find me on my blog at blogger underscore who dot live journal dot com, or you can find my reviews for the Earth Station One website at esopodcast.com. You can find the 42Cast at our own webpage, 42Cast.com, and there you can also find the cast page that has bios for all of our contributors, including Ryan and Eric. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 42Cast, or you can find us on Twitter at at 42 cast just one word there 42 cast so that's another episode of the 42 cast under wraps um we do uh ask that if you like this episode please do take 30 seconds to just give us a review we're on stitcher radio and itunes so just drop by one of those places give us a review uh that way it will help us to promote the uh, podcast and get the word out um you can also contact us let us know things that you liked what you didn't like what you'd like to hear us talk about in the future and the email for that is everything at 42cast.com and uh, of course you can also leave comments on the website Uh, you can get on the facebook page and send us messages or tweet to us whatever Uh, but we'd definitely like to hear from you so uh you know uh, drop us a line when you can and we invite you back here next week when Stephen amell will not be joining us to discuss the various berlanti tv series and until then this is nathan signing off You've been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2017. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.